0: God's grace and God's mercy is absolutely astounding and brings dramatic reversals to us. In fact, reversals, blessed reversals, do amaze us. You may or may not be aware that in 216 B.C., Hannibal, was in a battle that he should have and would have and could have lost because he was vastly outnumbered and outpowered by the Roman army and that battle stands as one of the greatest military reversals in history because Hannibal prevailed a little easier note 202 or 1914 What was then called the uh, Boston Athletics baseball team was the worst team in baseball. They lost to everyone. They were pitiful. They were miserable. They had a terrible season most of the season. But then they got a little better. And they got a lot better. And the, the blessed reversal for them was they actually won the World Series in 1914. Everyone was amazed. And you could think of other examples of amazing reversals or what you thought was going to happen, didn't happen. What you thought was right ended up being wrong. What you would have guessed was not what happened. No one ever seems to be able to pick who's going to win uh, the basketball championship in college basketball every year in March Madness. Thousands and thousands of people guess and make their their best estimates. No one ever seems to win. But a far greater reversal is what you're reading about in the book of Acts. You've been reading the book of Acts. Right, And if you've been reading the book of Acts, Luke records an amazing number of reverses that changed everything for individual people as the church is launched into the Pentecost season. And when you look at what's really going on, when God looked at the world, he could have said, It's hopeless. They're hard-headed. They're hard-hearted. I don't think it's worth trying to change their trajectory to eternal doom. We might have said that, but God didn't say that. In fact, he said to Bethlehem, I'm going to send my own son as the Bambino baby of Bethlehem as a gift to the people who ignore me, who reject me, who don't care about me. And and then on Good Friday, I'm going to put my only son on the cross for these people. Hard-headed, hard-hearted, I'm going to do it anyway because I love them, even though they don't really love me. And then on Easter, I'm going to break open the grave on Easter morning and say, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are taken away. Heaven's gate is open. God is with you. God cares about you. You have a destiny, an eternal destiny. And then, if that isn't enough, Pentecost, I'm gonna send the refreshing power of the Holy Spirit to enliven the church and to enable the gospel message to get out so that everyone everywhere will know that I do love and care about them. That's really what God did. To bring that reversal about, he needed to work with people, well, we heard about Matthew, and we heard about Jesus, eating with sinners, hanging around with sinners, the lowest of the low. No one liked tax collectors in those days. And the people of faith didn't like this man either because he didn't like them. This was the man named Saul. You know about Saul. You know that Saul was, well, he was a bright guy. He was a a force to be dealt with. He was well-educated. He was well-known. He had political clout. He had friends. He was known in the community. He was a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. He was a man of stature. And he was convinced, absolutely convinced, that one of the problems of the day was Jesus Christi. And so he dedicated his life as a Pharisee to doing away with Christianity, particularly uh, those Christians that were visible. And so he went around, not only Jerusalem, but around the area. Whenever he had the chance, he would undermine or even punish, and in some cases, kill Christian people. First Christian martyr was Stephen. Paul was there. Well, he wasn't Paul. He was Saul, and when he was Saul, he acted like Saul, and he thought he was doing the right thing. He really did. I mean, he was a Pharisee, and and he. he he did not see the need for Jesus. He did not want a Savior. He did not want that kind of a Messiah. And he thought that the problem was that he needed to be wiped out and everyone that followed him as well. That was Saul. And then, a funny thing happened. On the road to Damascus, and we just heard about it. We heard Paul explain it. I, Paul said, you know, I... I'm a Jew, I was born in Tarsus, uh, I, I studied the law, I know the law, he knew the Old Testament, somehow he never got the message of the Messiah. I studied and I knew all of the rubrics of the church. I was indeed one of the super Jews and super Pharisees of my time, and, uh, but he took the road to Damascus one day, and God appeared to him, and the Lord said to him, Saul, so, Saul. So, why are you persecuting me? He's like, who, who is this? Who is this, Lord? I'm Jesus. The one you're persecuting. Uh this is a problem. Problem for Saul. He was intent. He was absolutely convinced convinced that he was doing the right thing. But he was doing the wrong thing. He was absolutely dead wrong. Do you know how hard it is to reverse your heart, your mind, and your life when you didn't, he, was, he didn't sort of think this. He was absolutely positive that he was on the right track and all of a sudden he realized he was on the wrong track. He goes back to uh, uh, Damascus and Ananias is there, talks to him. He says, you know, Saul, you need to be baptized. And, uh, and that's going to be the beginning of your new life in Christ. And so he changes his name Now he's Paul, kind of like Saul, but different in every way, actually. Well, what is this going to mean? It meant that all of Saul's connections, the people he knew back in Jerusalem and other places, His political alliances, his friendships, his fellow Pharisees, people that he knew and liked and ran around with and grew up and went to Hebrew school with, they're going to consider him a traitor. And they would have said, you may say your name has changed from Saul to Paul. We say your name has changed to mud with us. And in the Christian community, that reversal wasn't any easier to deal with. If we were Christians of that time, when you saw Saul, well, you knew him as Saul, you heard about, everyone heard about Saul. Now he says his name is Paul. He's going to come into our Christian gatherings and our Christian churches and now proclaim himself to be a baptized child of God? I find that hard to believe. They found it hard to believe. They were were actually terrified when, when Paul first started appearing among them and talking with them and praying with them and worshiping with them. Because that kind of a reversal is difficult to comprehend. And it's difficult to do. It was difficult for Paul and it's difficult for us. And have you ever been so convinced of something, you were absolutely, positively sure you were right? Ask any husband or wife. How can they possibly? How can they possibly remember the same event so differently? And you're sure you're right. It was on Tuesday the 13th. I know it was. No, it wasn't. It was on Friday the 18th, and you're in the wrong month. No, that's not right. And those four, it's very difficult to say, uh, I guess you're right. Uh, or to even say, you are right, and I am wrong. It's difficult to be wrong. It was difficult for a man... Paul's stature. Years ago, I had a great typewriter. It was one of those really fancy typewriters that, that do all, had all the bells and whistles on it, and I was delighted to have it, and a well-meaning gift giver from the congregation came to the office and said, Pastor, may I have a gift for you? And I said, oh, that's nice. What is it? It's this thing, he called a computer. And I said, well, uh, I don't really think I need a computer. I mean, look at this typewriter. This is a long time ago. This typewriter works great. I can go forward, backwards, and I can erase things. He said, no, but the computer. And I said, no. (laughs) I like what I have, and I don't want to change. And he said, well, please try it. And he coaxed me and convinced me to actually try it. And so I sat down with it for a couple of hours and I told my secretary, does anyone have use for a typewriter? <laughs> I will never use a typewriter again. I was wrong, absolutely, but I was so convinced that I was right. And to then say, no, I was completely wrong. What a far greater way for Saul to say, I've been trying to undermine the Christian mission all of my life. I put all my energy, strength, and power into this. This is what I thought I was supposed to do. But the Holy Spirit comes, changes the heart. Jesus speaks to him on the road to Damascus, and he absolutely reverses. He's going to do the opposite. He's going to go the opposite direction. Out of all things, he's going to be even a missionary in the Christian church. And actually got arrested for it. Actually had a lot. He went on a number of missionary journeys, as you read about or will read about. Paul was never married. It's probably a good thing. Uh, because if he would have had kids or teenagers, and he would have said to them, we're going on another missionary journey. They would have said, Dad, I don't want to go on any missionary journey with you. Every time you go, you get beat up, thrown into jail and mocked. This is not a vacation. Why would we possibly want to go with you? But that's what he does, and he was finally arrested And before King Agrippa, he relates his story and and he just says it again, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of, of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, and even was assisting and seeing that they were punished or put to death, king. That's what I did, and I was wrong. It was a blessed reversal in my life. Well, that's that's hard. Uh, It was hard for the king to hear that. It was hard for Paul to do that. It was hard for his old friends who liked the old Saul better than the new Paul. It was hard for the Christian community to believe that, that this reversal had actually taken place. And for Christians, new Christians today, becoming a Christian does mean being counterculture in a lot of ways. and going contrary to the way everybody else is doing stuff. And when you change, when when God reverses you, reverses your heart and your mind, it can be challenging. It can be very, very challenging. Taking up your cross and following Jesus is not a walk in the park. Paul understood this. We, We have to kind of understand that too. A friend of mine uh, became a Christian as an adult. His name was Bob, and he had been a mover. He, wore, he worked for a moving company. And, you know, he had a crew that he worked with, and he became a Christian later in life. And he said, "You know, Pastor, one of the hardest things for me as a new Christian was that the guys I worked with were not Christian, and they didn't act like it either." Why would they? They weren't Christian. And he said, and, but they started noticing a change in me, and when I first told them that I had become a Christian, they kind of scoffed at it, but uh, he said the hardest thing was my vocabulary. He said, they, they use the name of God, too, but they don't know God. And he said, for me to use the name of God in a new way, was such a reversal that they felt uncomfortable with the new Bob. They kind of liked the old Bob, who was more like them. Many of us can't really remember that reversal exactly, because that reversal which happened for Paul at baptism, happened for us at baptism too, but, but we were real little kids. We were bambinos. We were babies. We, we didn't even know. We didn't even comprehend. We weren't cognitively aware of what God was doing and how the Holy Spirit was moving in our hearts. But the truth is, we were born into sin too. We, we had nothing going for us. We had no hope. We had no promise as a little baby. It's God who embraced and loved and forgave and redeemed us and made us his children, that was the reversal that happened for us. It was just as dramatic as it was for uh, Saul on the road to Damascus as he becomes Paul. And so now, God calls us to live then really as his, his people. Paul did Whatever happened to Paul, Paul was martyred for his faith. Quite a reversal. Quite a reversal for what happened to him is what he caused to happen to others before he was a Christian. And and that's that's very, very dramatic. Sometimes as lifelong Christians, we can almost minimize the fact that we ever were really on the other side, that we ever actually needed a reversal. Because as long as we can remember, we've always been Christians. We've always known that God loves us. We've always depended upon his forgiveness. There was a the young man, Carl, who was a college student. He was going to the West Coast to work as a lumberjack for the summer, his parents were a little concerned because he had been grown. He had grown up in a Christian home, a Christian family, had been involved in the church. He was uh, a good kid, good Christian kid. They said, but they were a little concerned. We didn't. They didn't even know exactly what it was going to be like working as a lumberjack in the North Woods. He was gone all summer. He came back, and they said, "Well, Carl, how did it go?" I mean. Were they tough on you? I mean, how did they treat you as a Christian? He said it wasn't a problem because they never found out. Ooh, they found out that Saul was not Saul, but he was Paul. He was determined. He was as he was as energized and dramatic as a new Christian, as he had been as a Pharisee. God calls us to be pretty open about our faith, to share the love of God in Christ. Well, how did that actually happen? Paul wrote these words um, later on, after he had gone through this kind of struggle that these two people we see on the screen are going through. And he out of his baptism and out of his faith, he writes this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, says in Romans, for it is the power of God for salvation. Paul knew and we know that God's grace and love have changed us forever and for sure. The word power here, the Greek word there, is dynamis or dynamis. The power of the gospel changes not only our hearts and lives; it has changed the world. I and mean, we might say, "Well, that's really you know, it's really nice to hear about Paul. I'm glad that all turned out for him. I mean, it was a big change, and he did end up being a martyr. And I guess that part was kind of sad. But uh, we're in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's right. Were it not for the disciples like Matthew that we heard about earlier, and Paul Saul, that we heard about just now, we wouldn't be sitting here either. For the gospel spreads across countries, across oceans, all the way to 2023 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. How? Why? Because of the dynamis or the power of the gospel working in the hearts of people like Paul and people like us. As God ignites and leads and and, and guides the church, we become the bright lights on this Damascus road. May God bless you, keep you, draw you ever closer to him, and may you enjoy the reversal that he's brought in your life, changing everything around so that our trajectory now leads to the Father's house in heaven by his grace. Amen.